This podcast is sponsored by Yahoo. Whether you're a lover of the latest fashions or the best deals, stories of ceiling breakers and fortune makers, a lover of fantasy sports or financial smarts, a lover of trusted news to keep you in the know, or organized email to keep you in the flow, Yahoo connects you to the things you love. Thank you to the incredible team at Yahoo who has helped make this book a reality and gotten it out there into the world. Hey everyone, welcome to Superwomen. Today's guest is Joanna Lambert, the head of consumer at Verizon Media. She is responsible for driving business strategy and growth priorities across the company's portfolio of consumer properties. She's been there since 2018, and before that, she had incredible career success at PayPal and American Express. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Thank you for having me. It's uh, wonderful to be part of your amazing podcast. And by the way, congratulations on your new book, Fearless. Thank you. To say that I'm like suffering from crippling anxiety right now, knowing I'm 15 days out is an understatement. I woke up this morning and I was like, uh-oh, is this going to be the next two weeks of my life? But um, I'm glad to be here. No, it's super exciting. I bought a copy of your book over the weekend, so can't wait to read it. Oh, good. Well, that's awesome. I just got my first set to start sending out to people I love, so they'll be arriving soon. So let's dig in. You grew up in Australia. Yes. I grew up and, and went to school and university in Queensland, Australia, and then uh, moved to Sydney for work um, You know, shortly after I, I graduated from university. And what made you sort of want to veer in the direction of um, not only technology, but connectivity and communications? Because clearly that's, you know, at the end of the day, what you, what you help do every day. Yeah. So, you know, my role today is I'm the head of consumer, uh, the consumer business at Yahoo. And uh, what that basically entails is I lead a fabulous team of people who own a portfolio of, you know, globally recognized brands, including our flagship brand, Yahoo. It's, it's a big footprint. We've got huge scale. We, we reach nearly 900 million consumers um, across the world every month. Um, and they come to us, you know, because they're looking to be informed or entertained. Um, and we connect people with their passions, uh, whether it's sports or news or stocks or entertainment. I've been here for three years and very excited to be part of the, the transformation of Yahoo. But my path here was not linear. <laughs> I started my career in corporate communications uh, in Sydney, or actually in Brisbane and then in Sydney. I moved in a corporate communications role uh, at American Express to New York. And then I moved from corporate communications uh, in around, around 2010 into the business, which was a very different career change for me, mostly in financial services still at American Express. And then uh, I moved to PayPal, also in financial services. So my move into media actually is a relatively recent one. Um, but what I love about it is the ability to be able to, you know, provide you know, trusted sources of content and data to everybody in the world, consumers, investors, business leaders, small business. And, you know, after last year's pandemic, um, there couldn't be a, a better time to be in this position to be able to make sure that we are that trusted source of information that people are looking for. What I love about your career path is it's not necessarily linear. And I get so many women that write in or ask questions and they say, you know, how do I, how do I go from one sort of career path to another? And clearly when you were at a PayPal or an American Express, uh, which is 
90%, 99% finance to make the jump to media and news is quite a, a big one. What went through your mind when you had that opportunity? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. The the fortune I've had is to work with leaders who have supported and sponsored me, and and to be honest, they stretched me and challenged me to try new things, and sometimes pushed me significantly, actually, out of my comfort zone. You know, even today, I'm trying new things. But you know, the first big move for me was a leader who took a bet on me to move from corporate communications into essentially creating and building digital products at scale, and that was at American Express and. And that particular leader, you know, took a bet on me. He saw some characteristics uh, in my leadership style and in my, you know, vision uh, that he thought would be deployed, those those skills that would be deployed also into product and building products at scale. The second big change for me was moving, you know, from financial services to media. And in this instance, actually, it was, you know, the team at at Yahoo, who looked at my background and said, hey, here's someone who has done some pretty interesting transformations in different roles, who has financial services background, and they were actually looking for someone to be the general manager of Yahoo Finance at the time. So for me, it was a great opportunity. I'd done you know, more than a decade in financial services, and I was looking for that next challenge. So was I scared? Yes. <laughs> um, and Having been on the communication side, I have obviously communicated and worked with media very closely, but I'd never led teams in media who actually produce content and editors at scale. So it was definitely uh, a stretch beyond what I'd done before, but I'm very pleased I did it because it, it's been a great learning opportunity and you know, I've been able to continue to evolve and learn new things and, and practice some of my, I guess, my skill sets in a completely different industry. I love that. And I love that, you know, did you ever ask him, what did you see in me or you know what he saw in you? You know, yes. Uh, the, the words that always come to mind uh, whenever I've spoken about what you saw in me was I have incredible work ethic. Um, I'm very passionate about the things I'm working on. And then, you know, I have a good ability to be able to, you know, focus on the mission at hand, you know, really focusing on the consumer. Well, like what's the consumer mission? What's the purpose? What are we here for? And then connecting the dots to drive towards that mission. And these are some of the things that, you know, even from a communication standpoint, he saw this particular sponsor saw in me um, and then recognized that that would be deployable against, you know, moving into the business. And at first, you know, it, it wasn't, again, it wasn't linear. The first, the first role I took was I moved from corporate communications into a strategy role and then um, was given product and then and, and design and then ultimately ended up leading bigger teams in product design and ultimately engineering when I got to PayPal. So one of the things that I think we, we both know and many women know is the lack of women in executive positions, um, whether it's finance, especially in technology. So what would you say you did to cut through that technology ceiling, I should say, um, and really thrive as a leader? So look, one thing that I think is really interesting about actually all of the women in, in technology, finance, and, and, and other industries that are predominantly male-dominated, I think the thing that really is most interesting is it's, it's not one thing that defines or creates 
the opportunity for you to be able to sort of cut through. It's it's a series of decisions and the various people um, that you meet and that you interact with that actually ultimately shaped my experience and in, uh, and in my uh, and looking at other other colleagues and and other women who have been successful they share similar stories. You know, you sort of can create these different opportunities to learn and try new things. And I think there's a couple of uh, pieces that contribute to that. One is, you know, creating that uh, network of, you know, trusted advisors and supporters who you can bounce ideas off. Two is not being afraid to crowdsource for ideas and recognize that you know most things that you encounter at work or actually in life someone else has solved before so one thing that I I wish I'd learned earlier is that power of crowdsourcing and the power of asking people how they've solved problems like whether it be making a career decision or getting a job or asking for an expanded role or responsibility all the way through to handling challenging HR problems or, you know, difficult relationships with, you know, teammates and things like that. So I think that building that network is really critical and being, you know, confident enough to utilize it. And as I said, crowdsourcing is something that I learned probably about 10 or 15 years ago, and I wish I'd done it a lot more (laughs) when I was younger. I would love to hear like an example of how you crowdsourced like a problem, just so I can get a better understanding of how you do that? Because I love that idea. So, you know, there's been times where I've had to make tough decisions, for example, and restructure teams um, in various times during my career and how to uh, think about the structure, um, you know, thinking about how to communicate to team members that in some ways they may be moving to different roles or or being layered under leaders in order for us to be able to be the most successful at you know progressing our mission forward. And so that's a really good example from from my my experience in terms of when you know by myself thinking about it and trying to work through it it, it can become a little overwhelming like you're sort of thinking through you you're putting something on paper you're thinking to yourself maybe working with a couple of colleagues in the office, like HR or um, a few a few colleagues, but actually, what's been really invaluable to me is then calling people outside of the industry or outside of my workplace to get ideas in terms of how they have um, been able to effectively restructure, communicate, and set teams up for success. So, I mean, that's one example. Another example that comes to mind is around actually when I first came into. Yahoo, and my first role was around um, leading Yahoo Finance. And one of the first things that we worked on was how to diversify Yahoo Finance beyond, you know, primarily being a a portfolio tools uh, for retail investors and, you know, some fantastic um, content around finance. But one of the things that I had was looking to do with the team was to diversify into subscriptions, like a premium subscription offering, because Yahoo Finance had previously been primarily an ad-supported uh, revenue model. And the other item that I did was uh, around building our bell-to-bell coverage, our eight hours of bell-to-bell coverage during the markets here in the US. And those two things were something that I hadn't done before. And in both instances, I worked and and reached out to different people that I knew who could help me just think through 
you know, beyond just the team, but beyond the team thinking through, like, how do I make a successful subscription product? And I spoke to, you know, some people who are in the consulting side who I've known for years. I spoke to people at um, other media organizations who had diversified into subscriptions. And, you know, hearing other people's stories and viewpoints just helps to solidify and, and, and put that plan in place. I love that. And I think that's why I've always, you know, not always, I think in the last, I would say five to seven years, been drawn to other female founders because I I think I was not consciously doing that as part of my just wanting to connect with them to get different, diverse thoughts and perspectives on things. So I love that you've given it a name and now I'm going to steal that from you. (laughs) That sounds awesome. So one of Yahoo's, I guess, ideals is making the world a better place as a big part of your mission. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you've helped shape that? Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, what's really unique about Yahoo is that we are this technology first company, but we're also a media first company and we have incredible scale. So we have this unique combination of both having our own newsrooms and original reporting, as well as curating content from you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of trusted partners around the globe and the likes of New York Times, USA Today, Reuters, um, just to name a few. So we're one of the world's largest aggregators in publishing, which gives us the ability to be able to reach a huge amount of people across the globe, as well as to be able to provide them with trusted content and data on every topic and and the things that they're passionate about. One of the things that I'm most proud about in terms of what we've been able to do with this scale and with this unique combination of technology and, you know, both our own as well as partner content is we've been able to serve a really diverse audience. You know, we've really been embraced by generations of fans who rely on us every day to keep up to date. So, you know, we've been able to maintain our position as the number one network for finance and news and we're the number one spot for African-American audiences, we're the number one spot for Latinx audiences and for women in terms of unique visits. What I like about this is I'm very proud of how, you know, we've been able to be responsible and committed as we continue to think about and, you know, diversity, inclusion and accessibility. And looking at last year, reflecting on last year, it was, there was so important for us to be able to make sure that we could tell stories from diverse perspectives, whether it related to the coronavirus and how it was impacting the community through work from home and all the changes that everyone went through as society and, 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 and how to cope with <laughs> operating with kids and pets and the whole family being in a, in a small environment together, thinking about diverse stories around racial injustice and even more recently around things like the vaccine. So having this scale, having this diverse audience, and then having you know trusted content and data that we can provide allows us to be able to not only get information and education out there to people, but also be able to tell stories from different perspectives in the community. So one of the things that I think that makes you unique is your, your views on mentorship and leadership. I think, you know, we've seen... Um, I talk about this a lot, you know, in the fashion industry, it's woman dominated, but these women, it's better now, way better now. But in the beginning, it was like, well, I'm not going to help you. I got to get to the top. There's only one editor in chief or, you know, I always compare it to like, there's one prima ballerina. So I'd love to hear how your style of mentorship and leadership is different and how it's not a mindset or a feeling. 
I've benefited significantly from mentors and leaders who have, you know, taken a bet on me, pushed me beyond my comfort zone and allowed me to try and test new things. And today and um, every day, I, you know, I encourage all leaders and actually no matter where you are in the organization to help and support others, um, particularly um, younger generations and their ideas. In my current role at Yahoo and looking at the rapid pace of change in the media industry, you know, we need to stay on top of emerging platforms, which really means that we have to empower other leaders, particularly younger team members who are experts in some of these emerging platforms to actually be able to shape our business. And this in turn gives them fantastic development opportunities and the ability to be able to try new things. And I've, I've got an actually a great example of this in Yahoo News. You know, one of our younger colleagues, uh, actually she was formerly an intern at Yahoo News um, and she was about a year into her job. It was a fir- her first job in media. And, um, you know, she had a fantastic editor and she took this idea that she had to her editor, which was she wanted to start Yahoo News on TikTok. So, you know, this particular colleague was a former teacher. She'd seen firsthand the need to bring trusted news to younger generations, in particular students. And, you know, by empowering the editor to be able to take risks, her editor then was able to give this this reporter the autonomy to try her idea. And it ended up being a huge success for us. So we've built this Yahoo News channel on TikTok. You know, someone like me or some of, you know, other, other leaders would not have necessarily seen this huge opportunity. And that's where I think empowering and giving autonomy to different colleagues is really important. Mentorship and, and sponsorship is something that has definitely helped me significantly. And as I'm talking to other, other women, particularly uh, across the organization and outside of the organization, this is something that I, I really encourage uh, people to do. So one of the things that you also talk about is empathy and being an empathy first company. I think um, this last year, at least, you know, for me and my company, right away, we became an empathy first company because all of a sudden it wasn't just the day-to-day problems of your commute or is your coffee tasting good? It was, you know, trying to work and be in a pandemic and homeschool and have sick family members. And so I think, you know, our first question with every executive call that we would have at 10 a.m. is how is everybody doing? And I think we, we've we held on to that spirit now that we're kind of emerging. So how do you as a leader strive to create that empathy first? And maybe what are some easy tips that you know people listening who have companies or who have the power to affect change within the company could lead differently? I couldn't agree more. We really do need to keep empathy in check more than ever. I think how companies approach public, um, in the public, you know, everything from mental health struggles to struggles of racial injustice, equality and inclusion, you know, and as you mentioned, managing work and life, it's, it's no longer the sole responsibility of, let's say, the HR department or the HR team. It actually comes down to me and 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 my colleagues uh, because it's a reflection on the company and you know one of the things that's really interesting about uh, about being an empathy first company is nearly 70% of consumers are looking to see if a brand's values align with their own so it couldn't be more important for business 
Um, and it also couldn't be more important for demonstrating, you know, care um, and support for your colleagues. You know, in terms of like the, the tricks and tips, this has been a real challenge as, as leading teams, dispersed teams from home. It, it required a lot more checking in, you know, caring for colleagues, you know, really being proactive to replace what sometimes used to take place, I guess, you know, the water cooler talk. It, it required a really significant mind shift change in terms of how we thought about providing empathy and support for colleagues. Internally, we created a a number of programs um, to deliver tools and support for our employee base, in particular around mental health, mental health awareness as well. So we did a number of different things, but I think as we go into you know the next evolution of the workplace and we emerge into maybe more of a hybrid model <laughs> than before, continuing to evolve and build these types of tools that create empathy, that demonstrate care and provide the support for the team um, is going to be fundamental to our ongoing success. So let's get personal. I would imagine that being at the helm of an organization, which is always on because the news is always on, I'd love to hear how you check out, how you get refueled, refreshed, you know, spend time with your family and sort of, you know, what are your personal passions? I'm very fortunate. <laughs> I have a 16-year-old a daughter um, who's a junior and uh, so I spend a lot of time with uh, with her. I really, I mean, in terms of things that I do outside of work, I, I love beach, beach holidays. You know, coming from Australia, we're used to uh, – you know, taking long holidays, um, yes. longer, longer than Americans. So ever since I, I moved here 15 years ago and ever since I've been here, I always make sure that I get that, that headspace and I take those long vacations. Um, coming up soon, we're going, my family uh, and some friends are going sailing in the BVIs. Um, so love sailing and love hanging out with friends and entertaining. Um, unfortunately, in the last year, it's been a little, um, that's been... <laughs> a little softer than usual. Um, but I'm pleased that things are opening up again because that's something that I, I feel very passionate about is entertaining. Although my husband is the better cook. <laughs> you know, I was always the better cook. And then one summer my husband got real good and I was like, well, I guess you can take this. <laughs> I love that. So what are your hopes for your daughter or more women entering you know, the workforce or just striving to have more success? I'm not unique uh, in that, um, you know, my career has, as we've discussed, has been non-linear and I've, more and more and, and the more people I meet, <laughs> the more I realize that that's the case and you can pivot. You don't have to make decisions today for the rest of, of your life. So I love the fact that there's so many new career options, that there's so many um, new technologies in place and there's so many more opportunities for younger generations. You know, I think that Younger generations are demonstrating that they have even more empathy uh, than previous, <laughs> and um, and I'm looking forward to seeing some of the you know more progress in things like women in the workplace and diversity in the workplace and you know diversity of products and and services in general. So I think there's lots of lots of good things ahead. How do you think you know with all the news about women leaving the workforce and the stress that has fallen predominantly on women in the household and work? How do you think people can begin to take steps to change that, support them? Maybe there's things you've done at Yahoo that you feel like you could share. I think that's one of the biggest areas of concern that I have. I mean, more than ever, it comes back to that 
empathy and support. We need to make sure that we are providing the right environment where people can be successful. Um, we need to provide the right environment where women in particular are able to advocate for themselves, be able to provide clear um, feedback about you know what they can and can't do so that they can continue to you know, be part of the workforce and the community, I would hate to see us take steps backwards as a result of, um, of what happened in, in 2020. So I'd love to hear, uh, being that, you know, this is, this episode is coming out kind of on the heels of my book launch and you guys have been so incredibly supportive in, in it coming out. Um, what is a fearless moment you had where you maybe didn't think you could pull it off or you knew the odds were against you, you were scared, but you did it anyways. One that comes to mind is actually when I was in Sydney uh, before moving to the US, I had a skip level meeting with my boss. At the time I was, I was pregnant with my daughter and uh, my husband uh, was in the Navy. He was a warfare officer, so he was actually at sea. And so we had been living separately for a, a while. And the skip level boss came to, to Sydney from, from New York and sat down with me. And, you know, I sat there and, and worked up the courage to say, hey, I would really like to expand my role. I'd love more opportunity to do more. And, you know, being in an international market of a US-run company, there wasn't a huge amount of opportunity for progression. And I said to him, hey, you know, I would love to progress. I want to do more. Um, I don't see a path forward here in in Australia, I could move anywhere in the world <laughs> if the right opportunity became available. Anyway, it was six months later that I got the call to say there was two roles in New York and could I be in New York basically on Monday <laughs> and, and, and come and work experience these roles to see if they're the right fit. And, um, you know, there's two things there that I say, which is why it, it did take some courage to say, hey, even though I'm pregnant and it looks like my husband's in the Navy, <laughs> The perception would be that I wasn't really open to international opportunities, but being able to advocate for myself and say that and, and having the courage to say that was um, life-changing for me. And then the second thing was when they called me and said, hey, here's two jobs. My husband was at sea. By that stage, my daughter was very tiny, <laughs> newborn. And um, the next call was to my mom <laughs> to say, can you take a couple of weeks off work and babysit Amelia for me um, while I try some jobs, job opportunities in the US. And um, we jumped on a plane and we came over and, you know, shortly after that, uh, my family and I moved to New York. So oh, there's been many other examples, but that's the one that, um, you know, took the most courage because it was something that I hadn't been thinking about and just said it and then we did it. I love it. I love it. So my last question for you would be, is there any piece of advice that you'd love to pass on? Just things that you've learned the hard way that you're like, you know, here's a landmine, don't step on it, or or some advice that someone actually has shared with you that you'd love to pass on that you found to be helpful? There's two things that I am would love to share. One is you have to always remember that most people find it really, really difficult to give feedback, and especially if it's negative or constructive. So and a lot of people don't don't love hearing feedback. So you actually have to work really hard to understand how you're doing, how you're perceived in the workplace, and 
you really need to dig. So it's not just a case of, hey, have you got any feedback for me? And someone says, oh, you did well. You did good. You did okay. You know, it's all fine. You actually need to really dig in hard and ask those tough questions, which is, hey, you know, what did you think of X? <laughs> Can you give me three things that you think I did well and three things that you think that I could improve on? Like you, you really need to dig in there because one thing that I've realized is, people are not forthcoming with feedback so but it's really important because you know sometimes colleagues can have a perception about you or your leader can have a perception about you and what your experience is that they only know from a short time working with you and you need to be able to understand what that perception is see if there's things that you need to change in order to unblock barricades for your own personal development. So feedback 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 it's a gift I know everyone always says that but recognizing that it's really difficult for people to share is something that is, um, I think, really important to know and, and to really dig in on. The second piece of feedback actually uh, was given to me by somebody else. Uh, and that was when I first moved to New York, actually, I sat at one of those breakfast, uh, well, when we were in the office, I guess, it was a breakfast session. It was with you know a, a more senior woman who was hosting a women's leadership breakfast. And her piece of advice at that session was, as you're going through your career, don't just manage up and don't just manage your team. Make sure that you really build your network and relationships with your colleagues. And that's the most important thing. And at the time, I didn't really understand it, but it's really fantastic advice um, for a couple of different reasons. One, over the course of your career, your colleagues end up becoming your boss or they end up reporting to you. <laughs> so building that network all 360 around your work environment is critical. It's also really fundamental to teams not forming silos because if, you know, if I have a great camaraderie with my colleagues at the same level and our teams see that, they will also work together on that consumer-focused mission that they're trying to achieve. So I thought that was fantastic advice. And again, I, I, I think about it all the time because it was a long time ago that she shared that and over the course of last decade or so, um, it's really proven out to be something that's important in every, in every move I've made, actually. I think that's incredible advice and so valuable. So thank you for sharing. It has been such a pleasure to have you on, Joe. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, for your incredible views on women and leadership and making companies lead with empathy. Thank you so much. And, and thank you also to you for your um, amazing partnership through New York Fashion Week. It was so amazing to do something so innovative uh, with you and your brand um, that showcased that spring collection globally um, in an immersive experience. So that was something also that I wanted to make sure I said thank you for. Oh my gosh, I, my pleasure. And I'm so excited for round two coming up. It's an exciting uh, next few months. Exactly, exactly. Fun times ahead. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birch Boxes, as well as our site.